Hello, hello. It is your host, Belle Grubb, and I am so excited for this podcast episode because we are here with Ayana Simone, and this girl is speaking truth, okay? She is like my new best friend. I'm not even kidding. I'm so grateful for her. We connected over social media, and she is amazing. She is the author of two books. The book that we talk about in this episode is called My Name is Anxiety. She also has an amazing blog that she keeps updated and newsletters that go out, all the things, and we are talking about mental health. And it's just a really beautiful conversation. You guys are going to fall in love with this. She gives some really good tangible tips on how to improve your mental health. And if you're feeling stuck on something that you can try to maybe get unstuck. You guys are going to love this episode. I'm super, super excited. So let's jump in with Ayana. Okay, so first things first, you know the drill. We talk about what we're drinking here. And I made a little hot tea because we're recording in the evening. So it just it felt moody. It felt cozy oh, to me, okay? Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I what love are you it. drinking? So you know what? I had I have a little bit of a situation here. So I'm a huge, huge, huge coffee drinker. Huge girl. But as of late, I've been told that I need to take down like my caffeine intake because I've been having all these health issues. So I usually would have coffee with me, but I'm just sipping on some water today. It's so lame, but like I got to take care of myself. (laughs) You're hydrating. You're hydrating. Hydration is never lame. Okay. (laughs) I receive that because that's totally (laughs) true. And before I got like doctor's orders that I could not drink a lot of caffeine I never drink water which is terrible to say but I used to be like what like why would I drink water when there's Dr. Pepper there's coffee like you know what I mean so I owe it to myself to have some water because I missed out on it was a doctor's order it wasn't like a personal decision like they told you they like sat you down they're like Ayana girl you gotta cut it out yes ma'am because I went in there and I came in with all these health issues and they're like explain your diet to me and I was like see I already know I already know what you're gonna say so yeah they just recommended you know um drink lots of water and get back to fruits and vegetables which if you know me that's just that's just never been what I do which I'm glad though I'm glad it got to this point because I feel like we do need to take care of our bodies and I gotta be honest like that has never really been top priority for me I'm just like, as long as I'm working hard, like, you know, there you go. I don't need to eat healthy, whatever, but I've changed that and um, I'm grateful for it because that's important. So it's tough. How long have you been on that journey of trying to adjust some of those things? Literally since the beginning of the year, 2023 has been my take back your body year. I've been going to the gym this, the last couple of weeks, it's been terrible, but like early on 2023, well into like middle of March, I was on it, but then my work schedule changed and couldn't get to the gym as many times. So, but yeah, all throughout this year, I've been like focusing on my body and what I'm eating and it's hard, but it's still good. I'm glad I'm doing it. Cause I, need what do you to. do at the gym? So I have like the most basic workout. I don't like, I'm not really going to like lose weight or anything. I just want to get in shape. You know what I mean? Like I, it's not good that I walk up a flight of steps and I'm out of breath. Like I, so I've been going just to be active because um, not even to get off track, but like I used to take business classes early 2020 before lockdown and everything. And we had a whole lecture on like your life as an entrepreneur. And they would say, 
Like if you are killing it in your business, but you're not healthy, you can't even sustain your success because your body is not okay. And they gave me like countless stories of women who like they did the thing, started the business, and then they would just collapse of a heart attack because they weren't taking care of themselves. And so that like came back to mind as I was preparing, you know, to get my body back this year. Because that's right, you know, you can't sustain success if you are not healthy. So, um, again, it's hard, but I'm so glad. I like to do it. Like, I I never really complain about working out. At first, I was very, like, skeptical. But now that I got in the routine, I'm like, I love it. It makes me feel good. Um, You know, it starts the day off well. I feel refreshed. So trying to keep that up. I love that. That's amazing. And I think that's a perfect segue into some of our topics today, just talking about mental health and kind of anxiety and all of those things that are, can be a little challenging to talk about truthfully. And so I'm very excited to get into this with you. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about first, where your passion for mental health and um, dealing with anxiety in a healthy way came from. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much um, because I talk about mental health a lot, as you probably know, on my website, social media, I talk, that's literally all I talk about. And if I ever run out of things to say, I'm like, mental health, like, let's talk about it because it's very, very important. And the way that it looked for me and my story, um, I've shared many times before, but um, I grew up in a Christian home, in a Christian church. My whole life, obviously, I had really no choice but to hear about Jesus. Like I was that traditional church kid, Wednesday night youth, Sunday morning service, all the things. Um, but it wasn't until I turned or was about to turn 14 years old was when I really got serious about my faith and it became personal to me. It wasn't just mom and dad are telling me, my pastor's telling me for the first time, I'm like, I actually really do want to follow Jesus, like for real, for real. And it was just an ordinary moment in my room. It was beautiful. I'll never forget that moment with God, um, just, you know, saying yes to him. But two years of that, so that was 2014 all the way to 2016, my life with Jesus was just so fun. I loved obeying him. Like, I really, that was one of the first things I think that, um, really convicted me. It was just like the importance of obedience and um, how, you know, we all have rules in our relationships. Like, obviously there's that rule, like, don't cheat, you know, but it's like, you don't even have to say that because I love you. So it's like, with my relationship with God, it's like, there's some things he just didn't need to tell me anymore. Cause I'm like, I don't even want to do that. Like, I just love you. And I love to obey the first few years. Oh my gosh. I was just like, probably was seen as like the star church kid because I did it all. Like, serving, volunteering, um, telling my classmates about Jesus, inviting my friends to church, like everything I did and I actually enjoyed it. Um, So again, that was 2014 through 2016, but towards the end of 2016, it was the beginning of my junior year, I slowly but surely started to feel a little different. Uh, The way I explain it to people, it was September 2016. I will never forget that night. I had the worst anxiety attack of my entire life to this day it's still like i would never forget that feeling of i feel like i'm going to die like just very just out of nowhere it seemed like and i thought you know i woke up the next morning and i was like i don't know what that was last night but i spent the rest of my day as usual but then slowly but surely i thought it was just that one september 2016 night turned into uh the next week i had anxiety attack and then it was every day i was having anxiety attack and 
before I knew it, the year was 2018 and I was knee deep in anxiety, depression and addiction. And I, as a church kid and still, you know, a follower of Jesus, I had so many questions like, why can't I get free from this? I literally feel like a stranger on my own skin. I hate getting out of bed in the morning. I can't look anyone in the eye. Just it was terrible. And I asked a lot of questions, looked in scripture, went to spiritual leaders, all the things. And I say this with all the respect in the world, because I don't want to make it seem like the leaders in my life didn't help me or anything of the sort. But I felt like the only answer I got was, how's your prayer life? Are you reading your Bible? Are you going to church? And I was doing that like to the T, to the extreme. And so I started to think like, maybe there's something wrong with me. And that is, it can turn very quickly turn into a very shamey um, exploration because it's like something's wrong with you. Like you're doing something wrong and it takes you down a rabbit hole. And so uh, long story short, I'll try to keep this short and sweet. 2018, I came end of myself um wanted nothing to do with god the church because i'm like i don't even know if it's real anymore you're you're telling me that he can set me free and yet i am knee deep in this stuff and there's no coming out so 2018 i come to the end of myself but the lord thankfully by his grace saves me i walk into 2019 like okay i'm gonna try again i don't know what the last two years was but whatever 2019 was a fruitful year that's when i started blogging i started my podcast Uh, really started connecting with other bloggers and stuff online, which is cool. I still keep in touch with a lot of those girls today, which is really, really cool. Um, But then 2020 hit, and guess what? I had all of those issues come up in a 14-day quarantine, like the anxiety, the addiction, the depression, and I was not happy with God because I'm like, I'm doing everything. Like, I'm doing ministry for you now at this point, and you still won't set me free? So 2020 was extremely difficult and it brought me into 2021 and it was april of 2021 when i threw my hands up and i'm like all right i'm done seriously because it's been years now and no one can give me an answer no one can give me an explanation um but right as i was about to give up girl i'll never forget i was in my room and i don't even i don't think i was praying or anything i genuinely i don't know if i was talking to god at all but in an instant I was flashback to this moment I had in uh, 2009, which I think was 2010, but I was a nine-year-old girl. And um, just flashback to this moment as a nine-year-old kid and uh, trying to keep it short. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I love this. Please. Um, Oh, I'm glad you do. But um, this girl, I remember just flashing back to that 2009 moment. I'll never forget um, this memory came to mind of how this girl uh, we were at this camp for my school, so we were in this cabin, 30-plus girls in the room. Like, this is huge cabin. We're all in bunk beds. And it was the last day of that camp. And one of the camp counselors asked the girl, um, she asked, what was your favorite part of camp? And the girl responded with, I pretty much like everyone here except for her. And she points at me. And I'm, like, the last girl on the bunk bed. So all 30-plus girls turn and look at me. And I remember feeling just as anxious as I did from 2016 through 2021. That same anxious, can't talk feeling, palms are sweating, my tongue is swelling up. Like that same feeling I felt as a a then 21-year-old, I felt as a nine-year-old. And the minute, girl, I can start crying right now. The minute that moment came to mind, the tears started to flow because I knew that's where it started. All of my anxiety, all of the 
angst of like so afraid of meeting someone new or can't even do a simple task because I'm afraid of messing up, it all links back to that moment. And so what the Lord revealed to me, and I remember so clearly, he's like, Ayana, you have a wound. And more specifically, the rest, because uh, that was spring of 2021, the rest of that sh- that summer, he began to show me not just a wound, but a childhood wound, many childhood wounds. No one in the church told me about childhood wounds. No one taught me about trauma, none of that. They just said, you might be in sin, you might not be praying enough, all of that. And so I have, I remember being so grateful to God, like, I mean, I paid money to get the, that answer, right? And the Holy Spirit, kind enough to just reveal to me in a moment, like, you have a childhood wound. And from that point on, everything made sense. A girl, everything. Like, why I, why certain things trigger me, why certain things bother me, why I get nervous over this thing, but not about that thing. It all traced back to like, hey, you're afraid of rejection. That moment kind of traumatized you. It made you afraid of rejection, especially because before that moment, I was really great at making friends, never had a problem. After that moment, terrible at making friends. I was so afraid of meeting someone new because she never really told me why she didn't like me. So for the last however many years after that, I kept thinking subconsciously, what is it about me that's not likable? And I have to prove myself and all that linked back to a moment. So now... To answer your question, girl, my God, that was a long answer. But just thinking about how my story of mental health got started, it started with a conversation of childhood wounds and trauma. And so now, um, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, my life's mission is to bring that emotional health language to the church so that we're not turning anxious, depressed people away with you got to pray more and study the scripture and or devil come out and you got to perform a whole exorcism. Like, how about they're just in pain? And so I, I want to make it known, like, because I understand there is that tension where sometimes like you do choose a life of sin and you are going to get anxious and depressed. like that's just kind of given. But we have to understand like, OK, some people are in sin. Others are in pain. And I would even say those who are in sin are ultimately in pain and they're choosing sin to heal their pain. Once we have that understanding, we can do a much better job of seeking the lost, bringing people in who are anxious, who are depressed, whatever the case is, we need to see them for, man, they're in so much pain and have the compassion of Christ to um, extend grace and be loving and be kind and use that emotional health language um, that is language all found in the Bible. If you look, girl, it's all there. I'm not saying you can't go and research doctors, research or or whatever, but it's like, even if you do that, you're gonna find that the Bible says what these doctors have researched for years. Like, it's all in scripture. And that's what amazed me most about my journey. I, the more I studied and the more the Holy Spirit revealed to me, like sciencey terms that made me like, oh my gosh, I have codependency issues. That came from Holy Spirit. Like. All of that I can find in scripture and find people in the Bible who dealt with those things like me. And I can come up with, I don't want to say come up with, but just study and um, see what God's word says about real significant mental health issues, because it's all in the word of God. He cares so much about this. And ever since he revealed it to me, my goal, though, is to just let others know that, hey, there's a way out of this. And I want to I want to see you to it. Oh, my gosh. I loved everything you just said. I don't even know where to start with unpacking it because it was so good. And there is such a need because for so long, like you said, the answer from church leaders 
tends to be, oh, God doesn't want you to be like that. So that means you're messing up and you need to pray more. You need to, you know, be in the word more, whatever. And I think that you just, you're so spot on with this. And I love this ministry that you've created. And I'm so honored to know you and to just have this conversation with you and be new friends to support each other through this mission because it's so important and something you said that i loved was the childhood trauma of it um because i think lots of times we hear that word you know trauma and we think it has to be so dramatic so big like you have to go through something massive and for you that was this girl like looking and being like i like everyone except for her and that stuck with you for so long and it wasn't this traumatic you weren't in a massive car accident that changed your entire life with it you know what i mean but it was it was traumatic for you and i think back it's actually funny you say this because i just recently had a realization like this um i've always been like a crippling achiever and what i mean by that is is i will i i can't stop until i get it done and it's it's bad it's actually really bad and i i realized that this entire thing came from my like second removed cousin or something some family member way out there we were leaving their house and he looked at me and he said bell the entire family expects something great from you don't let us down okay and i was like 10. i was like 10 and it, he didn't he didn't expect this to last with me forever and to change my probably entire life but it was such a pivotal moment and i still think back to it and i'm like so what I was finding was this pattern of every time that I needed to rest, but I chose to keep working because I needed to keep pushing. I was thinking about this comment of I need to show up because everyone expects this from me. Everyone is really waiting for me to do something good with my life. And I would call that a childhood trauma, a childhood wound Absolutely. that needed to be healed. And it's just finally getting that point where I'm recognizing that and being like, wow, okay, we can work on that now. And that was all by the Holy Spirit that I even remembered that conversation and how it stuck with me. And so that is such good advice is to really look at what went down when you were a child and what changed in those moments. And wow, that was good. Yeah, no, even hearing your story too, it's like, yeah like that that makes sense you know what i mean just and i'm so so glad you said that about it not having to be this big thing because that's what stopped me a lot of times like when i would seek help i think they really did look at my childhood because i had a fairly good childhood i don't want to try and like make my story seem like this bigger thing than it is like no i have incredible parents grew up in a loving two-parent household love my sisters like I remember going on fun vacations and birthday parties, all the things like I didn't have this like this terrible childhood. And so I think that's why it was so hard for me to find the wound, because just as you said, I was looking for a car accident or um, just, you know, the stories that we hear that really do break your heart. And um, I always say now, like, for people who might have a story similar to ours, you know, like there was just that moment, that one conversation. I always tell them like, we can't compare our stories to someone else. Like, I think that's actually extremely unfair because the beautiful thing, the verse I hang on to a lot is Psalms 139, 16. It says that every moment of our lives was ordained in God's book. Um, like every moment, every detail was recorded and every moment lies there in his book. It's like we all have different stories. Like the book of your life is so is different than mine, but how beautiful knowing that like there's still redemption in each story, as different as there 
as it could be, that redemption still remains. And it's like, yeah, we can certainly, um, you know, look at each other's stories, not to compare, but just to, to compare traumas, I guess, but to see how good God's been in this situation and in this situation. Like, that's the beautiful thing. So I'm really, really glad you said that because, man, like, I, th- I feel like people need to hear that. It doesn't have to be this big thing. Um, whatever hurts you as a kid, like, that's valid. You're in pain. You're hurting. And uh, now you get to experience the beautiful healing of the Savior. So that's always some good news. Mm, that's so good. I love it. I love this conversation. Okay. <laughs> Yes. Okay. So you wrote a book. Well, you wrote two books, but the book that I want to talk about is My Name is Anxiety. Can you tell me about this book? I'm so excited. As soon as I saw you wrote this, I added it to my must read list. I'm so excited to dive in. But can you give us a little sneak peek, a little preview at what we can expect in this book? Yeah. So I started writing My Name is Anxiety, uh, summer of 2019. Um, I was taking these writing classes, and uh, one of the things that they really honed in on, uh, I mean, taking these writing classes was the best decision that I could ever make, because I still look back on those notes to keep writing. And one of the things that they paid a lot of attention um, towards, or put a lot of attention towards, was character development and building your character, knowing your character before you write the story. And so before I even knew the title, before I knew of anything, my name is Anxiety, anything of the sort, I'm like... You know what would be really cool is if there was a character who we had no clue who they were. Like, imagine a book where we didn't know who the character was. And so when they would give us this outline of, like, tell us about um, your character's favorite snack or what they look like, what they enjoy doing, their hobby, what they hate doing. I'm like, imagine being in so much pain and confusion that you don't even know those things you don't know what you like you don't know you you don't like you therefore don't know who to hang around because you yourself you know i mean you don't even know yourself let alone who to hang around so i started to toy around with that idea and that's where my name is anxiety came from um it's a story about a character who has absolutely no clue who they are and um i'm gonna say this because I've read it so many times, I don't want to casually give away the ending. I have done that before. So I'm trying to like filter my words so I don't ruin it for everybody. But um, with that thought of like, okay, let's let's build a book off of a character who doesn't know who they are. I think that's a, one of the uh, ways that we can explain how it feels to be anxious, like feeling so outside yourself. You don't know what you need in that moment. You don't know what you want in that moment. You're too panicked to even form a single thought. And so... Originally, when I started the first draft of My Name is Anxiety, I'm like, I want this book to be for everyone. I want everyone to just like step in the character's shoes and really get it and really understand. But the more I wrote it and the closer we got to publication, I realized this book really is for just one person. It's for the person who doesn't know who they are. They are completely lost. Darkness is absolutely normal to them. Like it's normal for them to to not know who they are, what they like, the basic details of about themselves. The person who feels like there's absolutely no way out and they identify so deeply with their struggle that to call themselves anything but their struggle just feels foreign, it feels wrong. That's who I wrote the book for. And with that, um, as a believer, there's a lot of things in my name is anxiety that um, a believer probably wouldn't find themselves in these situations or a believer may feel uncomfortable touching certain topics and uh, diving into the world of a person who's lost. But um, in that, I, this book, uh, I, 
I, I think the best way I can explain it is um, the book is for the person who is lost, but if a believer were to pick it up, I do want them to step into that lost person's world. I want them to step into that darkness. I want them to feel what it's like to be so outside yourself, so far from the presence of God because you feel like you're not worthy to step into that. That I want Christians to step into that. And so should we squirm? Should we get uncomfortable? Should we, you know, feel like, oh my gosh, this is so graphic. It's like, that's probably a coworker of yours or that's probably your neighbor. Like we can't make this seem like, man, that world is so, um, you know, I can't, I'm too good to step into that world. It's like, you know, if you think about the gospel, Jesus Christ, Put on flesh, like God in flesh, right? Came into this world, this dark, lost, evil world. And he, as John says, was the light of the world, right? So um, this book, My Name is Anxiety, challenges a lot of different things, but without giving the ending away, um, it's for the person who simply does not know who they are. Wow, so good. If that doesn't make you want to read this book, I don't know what will, okay? That is so intriguing. And kind of going off of that then, do you have just a few tangible steps for the person listening right now who just feels lost, who feels that anxiety, who, you know, struggles with panic attacks, who is just having issues with their mental health and doesn't know the next step, doesn't know how to get out of this, you know? So what are just a few things that you would suggest for them right now? Yeah, that's really good. So I want to start off by saying, and I say this often whenever I talk about mental health, probably should have stated this at the beginning, but um, I'm just a girl, right? I'm just a girl who loves Jesus. I'm not a doctor. I'm not psychologist, a therapist, a life coach. I'm a 22-year-old college dropout, okay? So like, don't, you know, I'm no expert. I just know that I've walked through this. And so any tip I give is something that I've researched and studied on my own. But please don't put that title on me of like the end-all be-all. I want to share some things that worked for me. Um, So for those of you who are listening and you are dealing with a lot of mental health issues and you feel like there's no way out, um, a quote that really helped me, not just with mental health, but with a lot of things, is that I'm going to butcher this quote a little bit, but basically it says, don't focus on the fruit, focus on the root. So those anxious thoughts, those panic attacks, um, any of those symptoms, that's just a fruit coming from a root. Now you can spend time dealing with the fruit and trying to figure out why did I get anxious here? Maybe I shouldn't have gotten anxious about that. Like I feel like that's dealing with fruit stuff. What really helped me is dealing with the root stuff. If I got rid of the root, if I uprooted that, so would all those anxious thoughts and panic attacks. Like the fruit would go away with the root if I uprooted it, right? So my best piece of advice is to go to the root. And usually that means going back to your childhood. Again, we all have different stories. So going back to my childhood, some moments are easier to go back to than others. But I know for some people listening, y'all have had really, really um heartbreaking past that you're like i don't want to go back to the past i'm actually avoiding that i would rather it stay in the past i don't want to touch it it's going to be way too painful to look back there i know it hurts and i have all the compassion in the world for you for those of you who feel that way but you're going to do yourself a huge service by going back and taking that it's going to feel painful I, i do understand that but going back to that painful moment that changed your life forever, go back there and spend as much time as you need to there and do whatever you have to do. If you have to grieve it, cry it out, 
this is, there's no timeline on this at all. Um, obviously, as the healing comes in, you'll find that it with time, you know, you'll sense that it gets better. But I don't want to put a time limit on it because there's still some moments in my past that I'm like, I feel like I should be over that. But to this day, that's still really, really triggering, you know, so I don't want to give a time limit. But just going back to that painful moment and just spend a lot of time with your kid self, like, in that moment when they were first wounded, whatever that looked like, whether your innocence was taken advantage of, whether you were bullied on the playground, whether your mom didn't, um, you know, embrace you if you came home with a bad report card. So that made you think, oh my gosh, I have to do really well if I want to be accepted. Whatever that moment looks like, you need to look your kid self in the eye and you need to tell your kid self, I'm not leaving you. I love you. I'm here for you. I support you. I embrace you. I have so much compassion for you. And guess what? If you can't even find that in yourself to say it, there is a loving, compassionate, kind savior who is constantly saying that over you, your kid self. In fact, in scripture, in Matthew 18, there's a moment where um, Jesus is talking about uh, the person who, uh, who causes a little one to sin, to fall into sin. And Jesus gives such a harsh consequence. He says, it's better for you to tie a noose around your neck. Uh, I'm going to butcher this. A noose around or uh, tie yourself to a milestone and dive into the ocean. Like this extreme consequence for hurting uh, a kid because that's how, how big God's heart is over the issues of, you know, over the issue of childhood wounds. Like God really does care about that. So he is looking you, your kid self in the eye, like, I love you. You came home with a, a D, I still love you. Like you yeah. were uh, rejected on the playground. Guess what? I want to play with you on the playground. Like, let's go. Let's have a good time. That's the heart of the father. And I know for me growing up in church, by the time I was 12 years old, I would hear Jesus loves you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, bada bing, bada boom, whatever. Like, that's just such a cliche. So my 12-year-old self might not have needed to hear that, but my nine-year-old self did and my five-year-old self did. And when I went back to those moments of my past and I looked my kid self in the eye, obviously metaphorically, but just sitting alone with God and realizing how much in that moment, how, how much I needed love. I needed someone to tell me that I was still valuable. If I didn't get the best grade, I needed someone to tell me that, um, you know, I'm still likable, I'm lovable and I don't need her to approve of me when God already, already approves of me. Like my little kid self needed to hear that. So for those of you who feel like I don't even know where to go, go back to your kid self. They're waiting for you to come back and they just need your love. They need compassion. They need grace. And obviously, again, if you don't feel uh, enough to give that, you don't feel healed or healthy enough to give that, you don't even have the words to say, that's where our beautiful Savior comes in because he has those words. He has that compassion. He has that grace. And letting your kid self and just opening up your heart to that, um, that for me has always been the first step of like getting to the root issue and then letting that spring up new life, fresh bubbling spring, I believe is what Jesus says in John 7, like letting that, um, that love just kind of pour out because it's starting at the root and it's not being tossed at you from the yeah. external, but it's coming from the internal. Wow. That is such a good answer. And girl, your scripture, scripture references mm, on fire. Like I'm like, <laughs> dang, this is good. <laughs> 
Okay, well, this has been honestly one of my favorite conversations I've had on this podcast. And Ayana, I would just love if you could maybe share a little bit about where people can find you, okay? So I want everyone to connect with you. I do have your website linked in our show notes, so that way that's ready if you guys are interested. But come on, tell us all about what resources you offer and where we can find you. Yeah. Okay. So my website, ayanasimone.com, um, as Belle said, is pretty much where you can find all the things. Um, I post a blog every last Sunday of the month, usually talking about mental health, not always, but that's usually the language I'll use, um, writing about mental health. That's, again, blog posts every last Sunday of the month. If you sign up to become a member, I also send out newsletters every Wednesday. Those newsletters contain encouragement, updates. I'm working on a lot of new things for the future. So I want to keep everyone posted on that um and of course i have a podcast of my own to be heard podcast that i started way back in 2019 and since then it's been so fun and so cool seeing how god has used that um season three of to be heard podcast is where i talk mostly about mental health and that's because um i started recording those episodes the fall after i had my own healing journey in the summer so those episodes are fresh which is everything that god has shown me um it's still the language i use today i already am done with season four planning for season five right now um but you can join me on to be heard podcast but yeah ayanasimone.com is pretty much where you can find me all my social media links are there i will be the first to say I'm terrible at social media. I'm more so just sticking closely to my website. But um, yeah, however we can connect, I would love that because I'm already in love with your listeners and I'm hoping that we can, uh, you and I can stay connected and I can connect with some of your audience too. Absolutely. Seriously, Ayana, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. And I'm so honored by your friendship and thanks for being here. Thanks for